Well, hello and welcome once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef of the Raging Skillet. And here I am once again, talking to you all mellowed out in the late night hours. I've had a very, very full day. Kind of been running all over the place today. It's one of those only in New York kind of days. I ran out to Red Hook, Brooklyn, and back to the Lower East Side, and then wound up in Midtown in the 20s and all over the place, and then capped off a long day of all sorts of Michigash by hanging out with two of my favorite buddies in an Irish bar, a great old New York, old-fashioned Irish bar with great food called Molly's. You know, I'm feeling nostalgic for old New York because there's less and less of it. I mean, all the great institutions of New York City are disappearing. Probably this is the same all over the place. I mean, wherever you go, what's old is just kind of disappearing, being replaced with new things, and I just don't like it one little bit. So being in this dark and divey bar, not a place I'd want to see in the daytime, I'll tell you the truth. I don't want to think about it in the daytime. Because, you know, certain things you don't want to look at in the light. But at night, very cool. With Sharmuffy and Salafi, my Buffy sisters. I had a burger with no bun, because I'm a gluten-free girl, as you know. And Sharmuffy had um, the corned beef and cabbage. Why not? Delicious. Salafi had a shepherd's pie. More, it was a chicken pot pie. No, I think it was a shepherd's pie. Anyway. We did the whole traditional thing, and it was just a great way to cap off a long day. Now, I started thinking about comfort food, because that's really what it was. It was kind of, I wouldn't say a stressful day, but a day as full and busy as it can possibly be, and sort of a mad dash kind of day, and kind of an anxiety sort of day, you know, like running from one thing to another. And, you know, as a caterer, I'm certainly used to that, but it doesn't mean that I like it. And sometimes I get out of practice because I had a chance to run out to the ocean and find my zen. So I got out of practice, you know. So I'm running from client from here to there, up and down and all around, boogie in, boogie out, boogie up, boogie down. Where where was I going with that? Anyway, so to end it with a very comforting Comfort food, dark and dingy, casual place with good friends was kind of a great thing. You know what I mean? And then I felt bad about all of the fattening food I ate, so I walked home, which was also a great thing. I know it was a few miles anyway. It was a nice long walk on a crisp night, probably in the high 40s. Nice, perfect, gorgeous, can't complain. Well, I'm Jewish, so I can complain. But I started thinking about comfort comforting everything, comfort food, comforting in friends, comforting in a great environment, counteracting the stress of life with something very comfortable. Now, granted, if your idea of something very comfortable is to sit on nails, then, you know, maybe don't go comfortable, you know, unless if you're into that, who am I to judge? But I digress. So for me, The most comforting thing, really, for most of my childhood and a lot of my life has been some kind of noodle. And we all have a noodle, you know. You're Italian, you know, of course you want pasta. That's a noodle. 
You love Asian food. You know, you want to have Chinese noodle soup or pad thai. I mean, it's all kinds of noodles. Noodles are kind of, they go all over the place. I think they started in China. I don't remember the history of how the Chinese noodle wound up in Italy. But if you do, you know, send me an email and let me know. Because I don't want to spout out things I do not know a lot about and pretend I do. Because I'm not that kind of person, you know. And if you like someone just kind of pontificating like they're a world-class expert on things they know nothing about, you know, all you have to do is turn on the news. There's a whole bunch of so-called experts spouting off on things that they know nothing about. And most of them are elected politicians, as far as I can see. A lot of blabbermouths pretending they know everything and they know nothing. This doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. But I'm not going to be that kind of person. So I do not know how the Chinese noodle wound up in Italy. But I have a feeling someone out there does. So shoot me an email and say, this is what happened. The noodle was in China and it jumped in the air and it landed in Italy. I doubt it. It's a much more interesting story, I'm, just, I'm sure. But I digress. My point is that the noodle is very comforting. Now, granted, if you're just sitting around having noodles and pasta all day long, three meals a day, you know, you're probably going to get fat or you're going to become allergic to gluten like I did, or you're going to get diabetes or something might happen. So you might want to kind of break it up a little bit, have some vegetables, have some salad. But it's still a great thing. I remember my mother made something, you know, home cooking is always the most comforting. And even though my mother did make a lot of horrifying food, thinking back on it, she made something we really loved. And this came from her Yiddish-Hungarian roots. And she called it cabbage and noodles. And basically, it was boiled egg noodles, which really just has to be egg noodles. It doesn't work with any other kind of noodle. And then she would slice up onions and cabbage and she would cook the onions and cabbage. And I imagine you're supposed to cook this in butter. But my mother was sort of trying to be healthy. This was this whole fakaka thing in the 70s, right? She's trying to be healthy, so no butter. Instead, we got margarine, which later on proved to be incredibly unhealthy. But um, I think this would have been much better in butter. Anyway, she ta- sauteed the cabbage and the onions forever until it was completely almost disintegrated and caramelized and delicious and the onions were just so fragrant and then she would add some pepper because we were allowed pepper no salt because my father couldn't have salt and a little salt would have been nice but since we never got in love with salt we didn't realize what we were missing until later on and then she would toss it up in the egg noodles. So it was egg noodles and melted margarine should be butter, like I said. And this long cooked, almost caramelized, shredded cabbage and onions and lots of pepper. And that was just the most delicious thing. I went nuts whenever I, I smelled that when I came home from school. You know, you're starving when you come home from school. And she always made so much. And the only thing I loved more than eating that hot, gorgeous cabbage and noodle dish that she made was eating it cold for breakfast the next morning I loved me some cold noodles for breakfast ditto with spaghetti and any kind of pasta it was great when it was hot but cold the next morning oh my god forget it I felt the same way about pizza too for that matter and Chinese food but you know we're going off on a different subject now we're all about the noodle 
somehow I felt it was naughty to eat the cold noodles for breakfast, mostly because I think my mother was planning on heating it up later on. And by the time she got around to it, I'd eaten it all for breakfast. So that was naughty. And so I, you could consider what I did naughty noodle. I think that's what it was. It was a naughty noodle. And um, maybe that's what I'm going to call today's show, The Naughty Noodle. Mm, don't go there, little potty mouth. Don't go there. But let's just stay with that for a minute. So then as the years went by, of course, as a starving artist, I was always cooking every kind of noodle because noodles were cheap. And you could get them, like, I think back when I first moved out, you could get four boxes of spaghetti for a dollar. Isn't that amazing? And so it was really a filler. You could make almost anything and throw spaghetti in it, and it was just suddenly it was a meal. And when I started catering, of course, it became all about the pasta, pasta. People love the pasta. But I started to fall in love with the versatility of noodles in all sorts of ways. And so I remember I had a bride some time ago who asked me for a dish. You know, every menu I do is written to order. She asked me for a dish called uh, long rice soup or chicken long rice soup which I assumed was a Chinese dish, and she was a Chinese bride. But uh, I must have probably originated in China, but it's actually more of a Hawaiian dish. And it's kind of fun. So the idea behind the soup, this is the chicken long rice Hawaiian-style soup. It's basically a chicken noodle soup. And what you do is you, you can kind of do this with any kind of chicken, a whole chicken chopped up or chicken breasts or chicken thighs. I am into the thigh in a lot of different ways, I must say. Um, but I digress. So I, f I love the dark meat. And all right, you're going there again. I told you not to go there. Let's stay with the program. We're talking about soup. We're not talking about sex, okay? So I love the dark meat. And so what I'll do is I'll get a pot and I will throw in that pot chicken broth, and then I'll add a little water to kind of get a little more mileage out of the chicken broth. And now we're going to go with this very Asian-y kind of flavor, but also kind of Hawaiian. And so I'll throw in minced ginger because it's gorgeous. I'll throw in minced garlic because it's gorgeous. I'll throw in a few drizzles of gluten-free tamari because I'm not doing gluten. And, you know, if you want to do soy sauce, knock yourself out. And I'll kind of get that going. And then I'll throw in as much chicken thighs as I can where I still have a couple inches of broth over the thighs. So, um, you know, maybe let's say three inches of broth over the thighs. And I want to bring that to a boil and then lower it to a simmer and get that whole thing going. And it's so yummy already. It's getting fragrant. And then I toss in a heaping handful of sliced scallion or you call it green onion, whatever you want to call it. Meanwhile, while that's going on, I get my noodles going separately. Now, traditionally, you would do a cellophane noodle, or it actually goes by a couple of different names, cellophane noodle or bean thread noodle. I think it has a couple of different names. You know those noodles you get sometimes in a Chinese restaurant, or uh, you probably would get it in a Thai restaurant too, where they're kind of, they look like glass noodle. It might be another name. They're sort of a see-through looking noodle. But that's traditional. 
And so I don't want to talk you out of it because that's the most traditional thing. But I have to tell you, for me personally, I don't like the cellophane noodle, the glass noodle, the bean thread noodle. I don't like a noodle I can see through to the other side. And I don't know, I guess it's a personal thing. It sort of reminds me of strands of jellyfish or something. It grosses me out, you know? My mother never would let me say anything was gross. She was like, that was a lovely Jewish name. And then they ruined it because, you know, it was a lovely Jewish name. But in any case, it still grosses me out. So I prefer, instead of the cellophane noodle or bean thread noodle or whatever you want to call it, I prefer to do rice noodles that are opaque that you can't look through. But in any case, if you're going to go traditional, you take your noodles and you soak them in warm water, kind of soften them up a little bit. Now you've been cooking, you brought your broth to a boil, you lowered it to a simmer, and in it you've got your chicken, and you got your ginger, and you got your garlic, and you got your scallions, and you got your tamari or your soy, whatever you decided to do. And after about, you know, 40 minutes, you can take a slotted spoon and take your chicken thighs out, put them in a bowl. And then what you're going to do is get rid of the bones and get rid of the skin and just either shred, that's a good word, shred, or dice up the chicken. And then you're going to throw your diced or shredded chicken back in your broth. You're going to adjust the seasoning with whatever you feel it needs. Sometimes I give it a little bit of shriracha. Here's you go, shredding and shriracha. That noise is sort of deafening, isn't it? Shredding shriracha. Why not? You could throw a little of that in. You throw your chicken in, and you throw in your noodles, whether it's the rice noodles or the glass noodles, whatever. You throw that in, and you get this gorgeous soup. It's a beautiful thing. There's lots of other things you can throw in, too, if you're so excited. But traditionally, it's not so many ingredients. It's mainly just the ginger and the green onion and the garlic and the chicken broth and the chicken and the soy or the tamari and the noodles, but I like to give it the little hot sauce too because that's the kind of girl I am. And if you feel that the tamari or the soy wasn't enough salt, that's where you can give it some salt. And since we're gonna go Hawaiian, you can give it a nice Hawaiian sea salt or Himalayan sea salt might be nice. Now, I had to cater the wedding of this woman who wanted the long rice soup. And in her case, it really should be the rice noodle because it's long rice soup. And but she wanted it as a past hors d'oeuvre, and I couldn't imagine how to do it. But we figured it out, and it worked out great. We got little espresso cups, and we put the cooked noodle in the cup, and we put the shredded chicken in the cup. This is all room temperature. And we put the sliced scallion in the cup. I think we might have put a couple of bean, th bean threads in the cup. And then, as we're serving it, when it's ready to serve, we poured the boiling broth into the espresso cup and sent it out. It went perfectly. And that was the most comforting noodle. People friggin' loved it. You know what I mean? They really did. And it wasn't the least bit naughty. I'm not saying noodles can't be naughty, but that one wasn't. I'm all about the noodle, you know? There's that song in my head again, like, all about the bass. I'm all about the noodle. And I have embraced it in many a different way. I remember when I was growing up, we had Italian food. So we had spaghetti and marinara sauce, spaghetti and meatballs. We had the cabbage and noodles. Um, we had chicken noodle soup. But I was invited over to spend the night at this girl's house. I guess at this point I was, um, I'm going to say, about eight years old. 
And I didn't get invited over people's house a lot because, I don't know, I was a juvenile delinquent and I had a weird family and probably people's parents, you know, some of the kids' parents probably thought I was a little crazy looking, which I was, proudly. But anyway, this girl was a little braver and uh, she was incredibly normal and my family was not normal. We were weird. So I don't know why she invited me over, but she did. And her parents served a sat down for dinner and they served something I'd never seen before. They served spaghetti tossed in melted sweet butter with salt. Oh my God, salt. I hadn't had that in a while. And pepper. And that was it. And then later on came more food. But this was, we sat down and we had the spaghetti tossed in the melted butter with the salt and the pepper. There's nothing more simple than that. No Parmesan, nothing else, just tons of butter and salt and pepper. And I had never tasted anything that delicious in my life. I realize now, of course, it's because I grew up not having any butter, let alone good sweet butter, and not having any salt. So that was just amazing for me. Later on, I wanted to recreate it. So when I got spaghetti in my house, I would immediately try to put the margarine in it and give it the pepper, but it wasn't quite the same. And then my other thing my mother used to make that we loved, which of course was incredibly simple, she'd boil the spaghetti, she'd put it in the plate, and while it was very hot, she'd put a slice of American cheese on it. And that was it. One whole slice of American cheese on the boiled spaghetti. But it was very comforting. Of course, now I make really elaborate mac and cheese, as you know. But the noodle, we love the noodle. You know, whether you're Jewish or Italian or Asian or whoever, you love the noodle. I personally love making pad thai for every imaginable occasion. I love making the sauce. I love the whole thing. I love the fact that you don't have to boil the noodles because it's a pain in the tushy to make a big vat of noodles and have to pour them in the colander and boiling water. So what you do with the rice noodles for pad thai is you put them in a big metal bowl and you cover it with boiling water, but you don't have to like run out to the pot. You could do it with super hot water, but I think the boiling water is better. You just let it sit like that for, I don't know, 20 minutes, maybe until it's soft and you drain it. And then usually the day before I make the sauce and I make it a lot of different ways, but I like to do Uh, A sweet chili sauce that I buy from any gourmet market, but you can make your own with chili paste and lime and honey. And then I give it also tamari and ginger and cilantro. I run the whole thing in the food processor, of course. And I throw in some garlic, throw in some fresh ginger. I don't know if I mentioned that. And sometimes I do lots of other little things. Sometimes I'll do fresh lime juice and fresh orange juice in there. Sometimes I'll do a little sriracha. Sometimes I'll do a little hoisin sauce, but hoisin isn't gluten-free, so not when I want it. Have it gluten-free. And I get this great pad thai sauce. The idea is the chili and the lime and the honey and the tamari and the cilantro and the ginger and the garlic. That's the main action. Adjust the seasoning, and you get this beautiful pad thai sauce. So I toss them in noodles in that. And then I'm tossing in julienne carrots and sometimes julienne cucumbers and sometimes more fresh cilantro and sometimes beautiful thin sliced scallions and sometimes beautiful julienne red bell pepper and yellow bell pepper sometimes julienne snow peas and the vegetables you don't have to cook because they cook in the dressing they get kind of cooked 
on their own. And that lasts forever. Very often I'll serve that in a little Chinese container in one of my famous floating suppers. It's a gorgeous thing. And it's not a naughty noodle, but let's call it a naughty noodle. Now my throat's getting a little raw, so I have to do my kvassihe, but I don't have any now, so I'm gonna drink tequila instead. Excuse me one moment, won't you? Mm. Yeehaw, that was tasty. Did I wake you up? I know, now you want a shot of tequila too. It wasn't a shot, it was a sip. I'm not into shots, I'm not that kind of girl. I'm much too classy. I have to have a sipping tequila because that's the way I roll. So think about things in life. You know, it can be very stressful. You know, banks are closing. Some people are hurting. We still have COVID. We've got questions about the environment and the climate control. And sometimes it feels like the world is ending and the glaciers are melting. And I don't even understand half of the problems that are happening around the world. And I am terrified about Ukraine. I mean, every time you turn on the news, there's so many things to be upset about. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be upset about them because you really should. You should be upset about what's happening to the environment and you should be upset about what's happening to the innocent people in Ukraine. And there's all sorts of things you should be upset about. But it doesn't do you any good to walk around upset all the time. You have to keep your strength and you have to keep your joy and you have to keep your core. And the way to do that is with comforting yourself. Comfort yourself with good friends, with love, with joy, with comforting food, with places that make you feel comfy, and even with a teddy bear. You know, this is a recent thing in my life, and if you Google it, you'll find a lot of grown-ups are deciding to get a teddy bear. Um, and mine was a gift from my Buffy friend, Luffy, and it's the most adorable teddy bear. It's like an old-fashioned teddy bear, like the kind you would see maybe in the 1950s. It's not some high-tech uber bear or fancy bear. It's just an adorable, old-fashioned, 1950s-style teddy bear. And my little bear is a boy, and I get a lot of comfort from him. You know, I used to have a big, fat cat that purred all night that I was deathly allergic to, my Lulu, as you know. And I got a lot of comfort from her too, except that I had to take allergy pills every day, sometimes twice a day for 20 and a half years to get that comfort. So sort of easier to just have a teddy bear. And it's no substitute for having a girlfriend or having a boyfriend. It's no substitute for having family and friends and love. None of that, but it's a nice thing. So let's say... If you're listening to me, most likely you're an adult. You might even be in your later years. You might be, who knows how old you are. You could be 90 years old. You're never too old to get a teddy bear. So try it. You'll like it. It's very comforting. And while you're at it, get a teddy bear and make some noodles. Make some long rice soup. You're going to like this. It's really fun. And that's one of those things you could make like a little buffet out of it too. Like for a party idea, you have a bowl of the shredded chicken. Shredded, there's that word again. You have a bowl of the noodles. You have a bowl with the scallion. You have a bowl with whatever else you want to throw in. You could be throwing in julienne snow peas or carrots. Why not? Why not? Why not? Peppers, why not? Chopped up broccoli. You can be non-traditional and throw in anything you want. And you 
you have all your guests come and put whatever they want in their bowl and then cover it with a boiling broth. Now that is a gorgeous, sexy thing. And you could decide what kind of noodle you want. Maybe you don't mind the glass noodle because you don't mind being able to see through it to the other side. It's just my thing. I don't know. I just feel like it's a bowl full of worms or jellyfish. Of course, now that you heard me say that, probably you're not going to want the glass noodles. And I don't blame you, but I personally just don't want to see through my noodle to the other side. Some things that I need mystery about. I want my noodles opaque. I don't want to see through it to the other side, you know. For that, I have windows, but not in my noodle. You know what I mean? Anyway, so here I am feeling comfortable. I've had a little bit of my sipping tequila. I'm talking to you about balance. Now, how might the noodles be naughty since we do want to call the show Naughty Noodle? I think a little Sri Racha. There's that word, Sri Racha. I love it. That could make it naughty. And certainly having a big bowl of pad thai for breakfast would be a little odd and strange and possibly a little naughty. I suppose if you had a party and everyone had to eat noodles with their fingers instead of using chopsticks or forks, that could become a kind of a texture kind of thing. And that would be very naughty and that would sort of lead into certain kinds of parties that used to happen a lot in the 70s that very often probably were illegal, so we don't want to go there. And also very messy, so you don't really want to eat pad thai with your fingers. It's kind of gross. I know I hear my mother, don't say gross. That was a lovely Jewish name, and then they ruined it. They, by the way, are the same people who ruined pine trees by making them Christmas trees, and removed ruined hard-boiled eggs by making them Easter eggs, because my mother felt that there was a conspiracy to take everything Jewish and turn it into basically shiksa or goy, as she would say. I don't think it was a big conspiracy. I think Christmas trees are very nice, and I think Easter eggs are very nice. And mostly I like to eat the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup chocolate and peanut butter filled Easter eggs. I don't know. I just love them. But that's got nothing to do with noodles, does it? Anyway, I'm back to the noodle. So... Do something comforting for crying out loud and have a little noodle love. Maybe the next time you get together with whoever you love, if you have someone you love, you can have a noodle date. You can have the opaque noodle and he or she could have this clear cellophane glass noodle and you could sort of swap noodles. And if you have this kind of soup that I'm talking about, you each can have your own noodle. And maybe you feel like you don't want any Asian noodles at all, your old school Italian noodle, but you like the idea of the soup. Well, then, you know, have your beautiful Hawaiian flavored chicken long rice soup, but have it instead with a macaroni or farfella or, you know, spaghetti, vermicelli. Why not? Float your boat. Make your own kind of noodle. You know what I'm saying? So here we are. Spring is coming. It's time to embrace the new, new growth, new beginnings. It doesn't It's not exactly spring yet, but we're right one foot in it. You know what I mean? And it's a nice time to be happy. It's a nice time to be comfy as we're starting to walk away through the winter and enter into our time of new growth and new beginnings. So not to get philosophical, but it's time for a little naughty noodle. I'm a well-known naughty girl, as you know. I'm known as the anti-chef, the rebel anti-caterer, a new breed of rebel anti-caterer. That was the best one I ever heard about myself. I think that was the New York Times who said that some time ago. 
And so I'm all about the naughty noodle. So make a great noodle. And if you find a fun way to make it naughty, float your boat, baby, because life is short. Embrace the naughty noodle. This is Rossi for Raging and Eating. And as always, food is love, and so are you. Now go out and float your noodle, baby.